This is part one of the Target Truck episode with my guest, Mark Bovey. In keeping with my favorite line of questions, we start off the episode with the things that got Mark into cars and trucks in this case. Land yachts and restorations at the mere age of 16. It's pretty damn impressive. We then move through to the genesis of Target Truck, all of the setup and the race itself at Target Newfoundland. There are few people who can say they've raced the Targa Newfoundland, fewer that can say that they were competitive there, let alone end up in the position Mark and Miles found themselves in. I do hope that you enjoy part one of the Targa Truck episode. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Okay, well, listen, we're going to get started here. So um, you're listening to the Bucket Seat Podcast. This is episode 19. It's my pleasure to have Mark Bovey on the on the show tonight. So, uh, Mark, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Super uh, happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Mark is a creative in the advertising industry. He's a designer. He's a photographer. Most importantly, owner and builder of the legendary Target Truck. Um, so, um, again, yeah, Mark, thank you for being here. Um, I, you know, as I always say to everyone who comes, um, I'm always so interested in people who are passionate about the automotive industry. And for a while, I was kind of worried that maybe that was starting to wane in general. A lot of people starting to kind of like, you know, move away from being passionate about the automotive industry and mm-hmm. these things that we are so passionate about just start to become appliances. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying to me. And so the idea of, you know, self-driving cars, uh, cars as appliances, car sharing, I, I, you know, I understand it, but mm-hmm. there is definitely a core of us that, you know, keep this spirit alive. And I think that if anything, these kinds of conversations and helping to share these passions with people are what kind of propel us forward as a, you know, as a group of interesting and passionate people when it comes to automotive. So uh, with that said, again, thank you. Um, Pleasure. So uh, quickly, we'll touch on um, something that's obviously uh, shared in common with us very closely, which is advertising. Mm-hmm. And so before we get into Target Truck, um, you know, you'd mentioned when we were chatting earlier that you had worked on um, you'd worked on Mini a little bit as well. Yep. And so maybe if you could kind of tell me about Mini, and I know that you'd mentioned as well that at the same time, Target Truck had kind of started to come about. So maybe you can explain a bit of that and um, I, I'm always interested to know kind of the, the, the trials and tribulations of shooting cars and car shooting and car advertising in general can kind of be an interesting topic. Yeah, like I, I, uh, I really have um, a little bit by choice and just with the way life worked out, I've been able to miss working on cars in my advertising career. Uh, and that was a little bit by choice because I was, as I was mentioning earlier, I was a little concerned about taking something that I'm really I love and I'm passionate about and that thing, that thing that makes me, my golf essentially is mm-hmm. the easiest way to comp- compare it um, and monetizing that and putting it through the marketing machine. Um, however, um, you know, I, you know, I'm self-employed. I'm a, like, I'm a hired gun okay. and I'm at, uh, I'm at this company called Anomaly. Now that's when we first opened that place. Um, I was there very early on. They had many and I got working on that brand and I was like, oh, you know, it's an interesting car brand. I'll work on it, you know, and, and I, I did a few things for them. But the, the biggest job I guess I did for them was um, I had written this, uh, this, you know, content piece where it involved this um, 
urban artist from Portugal who blows artwork out of walls. Wow. So, you know, I we had had some problems with some earlier creative and I was kind of brought in to sort this out. And, you know, um, Pete, who's the executive creative director there, had seen this artist and he said, what do you think about this guy? And I'm like, oh, I love it. So I just wrote the script and sent an email to this guy and just to see if he would respond because you never know. And uh, started presenting it inside the office and whatnot. And we didn't didn't know anything. Like, I didn't know how to get there. didn't know schedules, more or less. When you're dealing with somebody, this this guy, his name is Veals, is his street name. And he's ranked in the world of street artists. He's ranked number six, Banks being number one. Wow. So how's this going to go? I don't know. But I'm like, I kind of believe in trying things. The worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to say no, and I have to write something else. So I'd rather do this. Anyways, uh, a couple days pass, and I've... I've uh, I've presented it internally. Everybody loves it. And I came out of that meeting of everybody loving it. And lo and behold, there was a, this guy responded. And he's like, yeah, that sounds cool. And it's like, <laughs> there's only one problem. He said, I have to shoot it soon. And uh, at that point, I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I went and spoke to Pete. And I said, listen, dude, we got to do this if we're going to do it. So I handed it over to the producer. And they made a phone call. And a week later, I was in Portugal uh, laying 400 individual charges into a wall uh, and parking a, uh, at the time, a prototype Mini in front of it, which I had to drive backwards without looking, without hitting the wall that was lit. You had, you were I was the it. scent driver. It was oh one God. of those jobs where wow. we were, um, we were, you know, the types of jobs I get put on to, uh, as I was explaining to you and now the listeners are hearing, I do, uh, I sometimes go into odd situations that can't be, fixed in normal ways so I just find ways to do them and this one was pretty straightforward like there's cameras involved they're mm-hmm. shooting like 5,000 frames a second mm-hmm. and there's a crew and there's this artwork that we have to create and, and there's this car involved but I didn't know until like the, I think it was the day before the shoot day like we were just going to take the windows out of this car and go for it and because we just thought it was just a car <laughs> and if there's any damage no big deal but when we found out it was a prototype it was the only one like it was the only one on that side of the world oh my god and it was going to the european auto show so we couldn't hurt it and uh so and then all of a sudden i had committed long before knowing that to to just doing the driving part of it because i had had some experience driving cars because at that point the truck was kind of taking this different path into road racing and uh anyway it, it to cut it all short it you know, we blew everything up and the car survived and the spot turned out well and, <laughs> and it went online and it was doing great until the timing of that piece um, um, uh, happened to be, it was out there getting promoted during the Boston Marathon bombing. So oh, wow. all the media got pulled. Of course. And, you know, everything got shut right, down. Right. So that was the end of what that was the What was the name of the uh, project? If you go look for, uh, I don't even know what it's called anymore, but if you go look for Mini Paceman, like Urban Explosion was the name of it. Um, urban, it was called Urban Explosion or something like that. It had, the, right. given what happened in history now, we, had we have known, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean that's you just, just you can't plan that stuff. So um, yeah, but if you go look this up, it's a really cool little. It's like a minute long, and uh, and uh, it's just a, it's like one of those fun little pieces you get to do. Awesome. But really, it was just kind of happening simultaneous with me. Um, you know, at that time, I was you know I was just a, I was just a new dad. I had like a. I mean, at that point, I would have had an eight-month-old son, and <laughs> we were just starting to figure out the, you know, starting to race the truck, um, and uh, it was kind of, I don't even know if it was, I, I'm not even sure at this moment as I sit here, memory is f- foggy then, whether it was even the target truck yet, I don't believe it was, but <laughs> that day was coming soon, 
um, at that point. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's basically how that went down. But well, really, that was my, my instance with cars. I have a couple things. I have some different stuff I'm working on now, but that's kind of all top secret. So, I mean, I think that's probably a good kind of uh, segue in. So when you'd said that, you know, staying away from advertising vehicles was yeah. just something to keep you, it's, you know, business and pleasure aside. Yeah. And so with that, um, what was it that got you into cars in the first place? You know, you know, was it at a young age? Was it at an older age? Like, what was it that really spurred that for you? It was kind of like breathing to my understanding. Like the earliest pictures of me, I have Hot Wheels. And my dad was a car guy. Okay. But my okay. dad wasn't a car guy in the traditional sense. Like my dad was a guy that... He loved cars. He loved big American GM cars. Like mm-hmm, I grew up mm-hmm. in 72 Pontiacs, 68 Cadillacs, 67 right. Buick, or uh, 76 Buicks, excuse me, um, monstrous cars, you know, <laughs> and a lot of pickup trucks. Right, like the land yachts. Of, yeah, land yachts, and, and uh, like more like aircraft carriers <laughs> on wheels. And had a lot of Hot Wheels. You know, my dad and I always drew cars at the coffee table. We always went to the car shows. I went for, I, uh, in London, Ontario. There was the Auto Rammer or whatever it was. Was a kid, and you know, you go over there and see somebody decided to make Pac-Man into a street rod kind of thing. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff was really big in the '70s and '80s, and that was really it. And I, I raced soapboxes and, and oh, cool. So I was, I, but I only did it my my town. I grew up in Mitchell, Ontario, and they had the Corn Fest, right? So when they have a swimming pool hill, and once a year they would race soapboxes <laughs> down the swimming pool hill. So I would spend my entire summer, you know repainting or rebuilding or doing whatever and then go race down the hill um and and really that's all there was like there wasn't i i would very rarely went to any sort of races just car shows and magazines and i read cartoons like a fiend um you know and and really that was kind of i think the guide on my thoughts on what car life was and probably because of cartoons why my sense of humor isn't any good but uh, (laughs) anyway so um, okay then, what was your first? What was your first car? I guess you know first car that you owned. I mean, we all had kind of cars that you know might have been within the family, but what was the first one that you owned? Was your daily driver? My first car I owned that was my daily driver was the truck. No kidding. Yeah, my dad bought that for me when I the year that I was wow. too old the soapbox race. So I was last year I could soapbox race was I was thirteen. And the weekend when I was fourteen that I was supposed to be soapbox derby racing. Mm-hmm. Um, about a week before that this pile of horrible pile of junk of this green gmc landed in the driveway and my buddies and i were like what's your dad up to with that and he'd owned many we'd had them before like these hundred dollar trucks they were okay so that wasn't uncommon that wasn't uncommon this one was particularly unpleasant and uh are we talking like like massive rust damage or just medium green which then was not cool now it's cool yeah Yeah, it's a really cool color now but back then it was not a cool color it was you know it was rusty um, it just, it just, it was a beat up farm truck. Mm. It was just a beat up farm truck. That's mm-hmm, all it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it showed up in the driveway. And on top of that, like of those trucks that, that was like the really early phases of trucks getting built. Like we're talking like the mini trucks and your like 56 Fords with wooden sides were big, but the, the, the modern idea of trucks hadn't hit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this thing shows up. And my friends and I are like, what's your dad doing with that? I'm like, I don't know. So we're out for <laughs> breakfast on the morning that I should be uh, soapbox derby racing. 
And we were going to go that day, but I wasn't running because I was too old. And uh, we're having breakfast at Merle's, this restaurant. And mm-hmm. he just said to me, hey, that truck in the driveway is, is for you so we can build it together for when you're 16. And inside my head, I was like, a truck? I kind of right. And this is your 13 at this time? I was I was just 14. Wow. I was just 14 at that point. Wow. Yeah, um, very cool. And uh, you know, the first thought that kind of ran through my head was, is, was, I was kind of like wanting a car, but there was the truck. And I'm like, I was like, all right. So, you know, we basically... the following week I had it torn apart in the driveway and um, the idea being of course that we would have it done for when I was like 16 but when I was 16 I was kind of like in the middle of a full-fledged restoration and then we didn't actually finish it until I was out of college it was eight years to get it done originally which was just basically bone stock bullet straight black paint which I sprayed and color sanded (laughs) Um, but it was just a it was just a stock GM truck GMC truck Mm -hmm. um, stock suspension stock everything the 307 and a power glide. That's it. That's so cool. Well, I mean, and that kind of that kind of eliminates a bunch of my other questions oh. in terms of worst car and truck and favorite car or truck. I mean, I imagine are they all one in the same? Yeah, I just I know I don't have any. Like I I mean, the only other the only other vehicle I bought, I just bought in the fall. I just bought a I just bought a 79 Celica GT from the original owner in the fall. No kidding. That's my second car. I've never owned. I bought a oh, cool. I did buy an 86 Caprice out of a field. Um, and we basically dragged it out of the field with a tractor and uh, we filled the tires with air and we drove it 40 minutes home after handing over 300 bucks to the owner and we just went and it had an oil leak so we had to get home before the oil ran out of the engine and we basically just pounded it home my dad and I and I stole the that was the first 700 that was the first four speed that I had in the truck just to test it Uh, because at that time building a 700 R4 was expensive so I just Bought the whole car and tore the transmission out of it, and a week later it was in the wrecking yard. So anyway, but I didn't really ever own that car. It was really just, you know, by today's standards, a highly illegal activity. But back then, that was like commonplace. <laughs> of you know, course, yeah. To do that sort of thing. <laughs> um, okay, so so right now then, so you've got two cars in the fleet. Then three cars, three cars in the fleet. So third car is we had the truck was our only car up until the target year, the twenty fourteen. Yeah, that was our family vehicle. So yeah, I, I saw the baby seat in it. That just yeah. totally blew my mind. Yeah, so that was our. I brought my first son home from the hospital in that. That's uh, let alone epic. taking let alone taking <laughs> let alone taking uh, a very pregnant wife who had been in labor for a day to the hospital in it. Oh my god! In the middle of July, to, in rush hour traffic, St. Joe's. Uh, no, uh, Mount Sinai. Oh, right. It was an okay. hour. An hour with oh like God. a clutch that will handle 600 horsepower. She was not happy about that. Um, anyway. That's It's so uh, uh, really, truly the sign of somebody who loves cars. Yes. Um, and, uh, and a tolerant partner. Yes. Yeah. She seems to embrace it. Um, we... Um, She's actually the one that pushed me to put the 427 in it. Um, anyway, that's a, that's another story. The second vehicle actually isn't mine; it's my wife's. But we do, I guess, I take care of it. Although it is hers, we have our daily driver, family vehicles, an 88 FJ62. Oh um, my so God! Are you serious? Yeah, it's bone stock. That's outside. Uh, it's, uh, uh, we'll have to go it's, check it's that bone out. stock. It's uh, we found it. It was we found it. It's a baby. We got it with like 95,000 kilometers on it. Oh my um, god! For two and a half years. Did you find it in Canada? Yeah, it's a Canadian car. It's, it, wow. lived, it lived. Uh, uh, the, the original owner was a. Uh, the original owner uh, was a Muskoka family that used it as a cottage vehicle. No kidding. And it was used to go get groceries apparently. And then somebody was here um, and saw it and told his buddy on the East Coast. He's like, "Oh my god, you got to come get this truck." So this guy flew out here, picked up the truck, took it home, but didn't clear it with his wife. 
So she came home and was like, what on earth are you doing? You know, something you own has to go. Turned out the FJ had to go. So it ended up at my wife Liz's family's dealership because they went to high school together and it's a Toyota dealership. So he called her brother and said, hey, man, I've got uh, this Land Cruiser. I need to get rid of. Will you come get it? And it's like, we're a new car dealership. Like, this vehicle is just old to us. Yeah. So we went and looked at it and it was perfect. So he, he basically just bought it, took it and told us about it. And they put it in the dealership as with a price tag on it. And it just sat there. Um, nobody would buy it. Um, and the price was totally fair. We just couldn't at that point. We couldn't afford buying a vehicle. Um, we have a, you know, we own a, we own a private school as well in the city of Toronto. And we were trying to get make that work. Um, just to be quite extended, we're just way extended. Um, right. But okay. we kind of eventually had to pull the trigger on a vehicle because I was getting into racing the truck. We're getting ready to, I was prepping the truck for Targa mm-hmm. and basically breaking it every other weekend <laughs> and setting it on fire. And as and you we, do. As you do. I was beating the snot out of it. And I was just spending so much time fixing, breaking, repeating that we had to commit on a second vehicle because I was renting so many cars. Like this car was going to be free. Oh, yeah. So okay. uh, Sight Unseen flew out there because I hadn't really seen it. Uh, we flew out there, looked at it, went, this is great, hung out for two days and drove it home. And so that's our second car. And then the third vehicle, I had been kind of looking for like a 70s or 80s K5, like something like a fun vehicle because I need something fun to replace the truck. Of I don't, course. The truck is still can be street driven, but... Uh-huh. It's a little epic. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna get to that. Yeah, I take it. I take that. it to. The, I still take it to Home Depot. Um, it oh. still gets used. I take. I take loads of dirt to do projects, and it still. But it is. Um, it's a commitment to drive on the mm-hmm. street. Let's put it that way. And I wanted something else, so I was looking at trying to find a K five, but I couldn't find something that was in good enough shape for the money. And I really have a thing for small cars because I didn't grow up for them with them. And then um, a, a little my Facebook friends, we have a little private chat, and we're always like. You know, car talking, and and this old guy went. This guy went to high school with Kirk. Just happened to throw up this ad for this uh, eighty or seventy nine Celica. And I, when I took a look at the ad, I realized it was being advertised in High Park. And I'm like, well, it's so close. Why don't I? Why don't I go look at it for fun? Right? Yeah, why not? And I never occurred to me that I would buy it. And then I showed my wife, and she's like, that's super cool. Why don't? What do? You, what, what? We need another car. And uh, it's the only time that a small car is ever going to work in our life is like right in the second because we only have the two twins. We only, my goodness, we have the twin babies and we have the four and a half year old. And we kind of need this vehicle to fit one adult and one or two children. That's all we need to do. <laughs> okay. So I called this guy and he's not in High Park. He lied about the location of the car. It's three minute walk from the house. So I basically just walked up and saw it. <laughs> and it was better than he, it was better than he said it would be. Um, and the price was super fair. So I went back the next day with, you know, bank machine cash and just handed over the money and he drove me home and parked oh, wow. in my garage for me and we chatted and parted ways. And That's awesome. I somehow own a Celica. Was it like a case of he was looking for the right owner, the no, right buyer? No, no, he wasn't. He didn't, he didn't, he necessarily didn't care. He had bought the car new in Scarborough. And, he was uh, the original owner? He's the original owner. It's, original, oh it's all original, original paint. Oh my God. It has a dealer, it has a dealer installed two-tone on it. Wow. It's factory down to everything except for the muffler. Everything is original on the car. And, um, which it has some patina, like it's not a perfect car, but it's, it had never, never been winter driven. I'm into that. Uh, on top of all of that, it's a five speed. Um, it's wow. a, tw- it's a 20 B five speed, cool. right? So it, it's just a really cool little car. It's like, yeah. um, and, uh, it just isn't wasn't even on my hit list of things to buy, and because it's a Toyota, I knew that from a mechanical standpoint, it'd be easy to get parts for. I didn't think about cosmetic parts though, because uh, it's a really rare bird. 
Um, and um, so, yeah, I just kind of on a whim bought it. Uh, so, yeah, and because I, I needed something, and I, I couldn't, I was actually looking for a Vega, but I couldn't find one that had a, had a 350 <laughs> stuffed in it or it was a rust bucket. So, uh, and this car is like, it's everything that I am about cars. It's just cool, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird. Um, it's really super reliable, and it's an absolute hoot to drive. I love that. I mean, it's so your stable of vehicles is maybe one of the most unique that I've ever come across. So it's that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty badass. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something that's so funny. I mean, this makes for a really boring part of the podcast, but I have heard your story about your FJ really before we've ever had this conversation oh weird i mean word for word huh exactly the case of the car out to the east coast and back yeah sent to the dealership dealership then finally purchased from the family store basically that came yeah. back to you guys yeah. and i can't put my finger on where i've heard this story yeah. because when you said it it was like i mean i would i was absolutely hearing this for the second yeah. time but it was word for word the way that i heard it the first time huh, so that's so weird i've yeah, got to, i've got to put that together and i yeah. i don't know how um i couldn't have been uh maybe, maybe it was miles maybe, maybe it was miles maybe it was miles uh yeah, that's the only person i think that collectively we would have had yeah, somebody in between it was, on it yeah, it would have been i mean hey i've recorded evidence of it so i could go yeah, back and listen yeah, yeah. to it but yeah. um i'm really looking forward to going out and seeing that yeah, after the it's, show uh, so it's, uh, it's it's wonderfully slow let's put it that way it's, uh, <laughs> so, it's, it's and it's an eight track my wife doesn't my wife wants it to be bone stock so it's it's bone stock I have to buy cassette tapes for it. So uh, I love I that. In, I was in Detroit. I was in Detroit two weeks ago for the Third Man Records uh, pressing plant opening, and we're cruising around record shops there. And there's this place had this cassettes, and I'm like, oh my goodness! I'm like, you know, Molly Crew. Shut up. <laughs> nice. Going to like, load up. Yeah, load up on all my metal that I threw out. I know? mean, I have to. Ask, I mean, are those cassettes now going out of premium? No, no. You, like some places, like in Toronto. In Toronto, like Toronto is. I'm a bit of a music guy, but. Um, Toronto, we're in like we're spoiled here, mm. and we do have to pay for it here. Like okay. the record, like in when you look at um, the, I guess I don't know the economy of records. However, you want to look yeah, at yeah, that, yeah. that yeah, record, the general market, the, record, the yeah. general market of North yeah. America, Toronto is overpriced. Um, however, huh. we're one of the we're one of the early adopters. Like where we set that trend in motion. We're you know we're not the first, but we're in that early adopter phase of vinyl um, coming back. Like I'm talking coming back, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, and there's just been a couple of articles on it. And uh, so here, like if you find a cassette, you're probably looking at 10 bucks for a cassette, which I think is ridiculous. But hey, <laughs> yeah, I, given what I, it is, yeah. You know, it was, uh, uh, when I, I mean, it was, a, I found a Beastie Boys cassette for 10 bucks. So, I mean, I kind of had to buy that. Of course. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, in good Detroit, you know, I paid $1.99 for my Molly Crew cassette. Because, right. I mean, in a lot of cases, people are looking at that as essentially, like, it's almost garbage. So. It is. It is, but it is coming back. Like, the yeah. cassette, like, when you go to, yeah. when you go to, like, the Horseshoe right now, um, you will, the opening bands, the young bands will have a cassette. Now, Come they're on. not, they're not totally crazy about it. Like, they yeah. kind of own up to it, the weirdness. So, there is a digital download with it. Of course, yeah. But that's what they grew up with, right? So, I, yeah. I can, I get that. And, you know, and I'm the same way. I hated cassettes when they were new, because I was around for that. Um, but, um we, uh, I've kind of readopted it just because my wife wants this Land Cruiser to be a cassette. Like she wants it to be original. That's so cool. So like, like, I mean, and you know, to have. 
to go to even, I mean, even though you obviously want music for, to a certain extent from the era, yeah. how cool is it to have somewhat modern music still being played by cassette yeah. behind that? Yeah, yeah, no. And honestly, it's, you know, I slide in, you pick your awful hairband or whatever, because that's kind of the generation I have, right? Of right. Music, of the era of music from that era. And I'm like cruising around Mississauga, like getting parts or doing whatever I'm doing with cassette blaring on a sunny day it's awesome. sheer heaven because it's just i don't care about tra- I, I clearly don't care about traffic i drive a slow car in this case yeah um and uh yeah i just bobble around in this four by four and just listen to 80s, that's so 80s metal it's great. What, what color is it it's like that it's like that pewtery dark gray color oh man right okay. now right now i've got a set of uh the winter wheels are the like a set of fj40 hubcap like steely kind of thing for the winter look and then the summer look is the proper you know full up showroom stock thing so, so cool oh yeah. man i'm i mean i would love to i'd love it for people listening to be able to see that but they can yeah. picture it because you know I, i'm gonna go out after this and we'll check it out i'm <laughs> looking forward to that um Oh man, you totally surprised me with that. I was not expecting you to say that that's what your other car is at this point. Either of your other cars. So. If, it, if it helps you, the other car I built with my dad is like a 79 Cadillac Coupe de Ville with a 547 cubic inch Cadillac motor. No kidding. Oh my God. It's like a full roller, big block Chevy offset ground, big block Chevy rods, forged pistons, roller everything. Oh my God. Absolute tire fryer uh is that car still in the family oh yeah yeah i took i took it to grade eight i drove it to my sorry not grade eight i drove it to my uh high school graduation (laughs) and yeah it's been around forever it's been around since i was like 13 it's like and it's like full-on pimp like aquamarine blue inside and out with uh you know that half i don't know what they call it they call it the landau we call it the chrome dome because it's like that it's like the landau in the back part of the roof you know yeah, yeah Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's got a set of center lines on it right now. It's, oh man. I love it. Such an awesome, such an awesome car. Okay. So So anyway, we are going to move into, um, what I think, I mean, you're most well known for, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a bit of an internet sensation. You've made it into some of the most popular magazines that I kind of grew up idolizing Mm -hmm. and looking at on a regular basis. And um, when I found out that you, know, you were the man behind it all yeah. uh, here and you were in Toronto yeah. and I had heard through the grape, grapevine that you were relatively close to where I was, yeah. um, long before episode one ever happened, you yeah. were like, you know, top five on my hit list oh. of people oh. I wanted to be able to talk to so because cool. well, thank you. Uh, I found it fascinating, not only that you were, you know, both a builder and, you know, I mean, an entrepreneur in the sense that you're running your own race team, essentially. Yeah, it kind um, of turned out to be that way. Campaigning for it. Yeah. Um, and then also being able to run the car in it. In 2014, um, when I was watching kind of what was happening, it, it totally blew my mind. And I just had had happened to have known Miles Markovic yeah. from yeah. working at Taxi together um, and both, you know, uh, actually rewind even probably eight years before that. He taught me at a uh, had a school event um, it was my first ever experience like learning thresholds of cars as i yeah. was in my the fledgling state of my eg civic build that yeah. i had done but yeah. way back in the day um and so target truck to me was um you know interesting just based on the principle of the build of the truck yeah. um i didn't know that you'd had it for so long which is yeah. even more interesting but then the fact that you went and became the first ever pickup to run in Targa Newfoundland was yeah. just kind of 
that was the, you know, the icing on the cake for me to be able to go, okay, well, this is more than just, you know, a cool build on a cool truck is mm. that the, you know, the functionality out of it and putting it through its paces in such a, um, I mean, a pretty rigorous, um, a pretty rigorous imagine, race. Yeah was interesting. So yeah. for those listening, um, so it's a, sorry, it's a, a, I was about to say 100. <laughs> it's not 100. It's yeah. a 600 horsepower. It's going to be 611 to be exact. Okay. 611 horsepower, LS10. LS, it's just an LSX. It's, okay. Its closest cousin would be an LS7 like you Oh, get. okay, yeah. okay. It just has the wrong port size. It has the wrong port shape. If it had a, if it had a different port shape, I could call it an LS7, but it has a cathedral port. So it's technically not anything interesting it's just an LSX. Uh, i'm going to be heavily flamed by the by the whole ls crowd for that yeah, one but you know, it's fine I'll I'll I, I try to be specific about it because people get that. crazy on that okay stuff. ls7 and, yeah okay, it's kind of it's kind of like an ls7 but it's not right and it's a 1971 and it's a c10 it's actually a 1500 it's a gmc but GMC it's a C10. Picture. Like we kind of call them C10s because oh. because of the internet. Because of the internet, I can't. This if I call it a 1500, if I hashtag it a 1500, nobody will see it. But if I hashtag it a C10, interesting. It's I was only, it's, you get you get okay. caught. You get right. you get caught. The inter- I mean, the internet kind of screws you a little bit right now because you have to play ball by the rules. Right. And a and a 1500 hashtag would be totally innocuous based on what's exactly. out there. Exactly. Exactly. Even the term demon GMC, like it gets huh. you kind of. And then in the in the you know I'm kind of. Air quoting here, the internet yeah. with air quotes there for everyone. Um, <laughs> it, they're okay with that, like they get it. They get that I call it CNT ten because they wouldn't see it. They're they, they're accepting of it. I, I wasn't see. sure because I wasn't totally huh. cool with it, but I kind of had to play by the rules that were set there. Of course, and just for sheer visibility's sake. Well, yeah, I mean, I I you know you gotta. I mean, it has so many things working against it. It's a GMC. It's not a Chevy. It's a long box, not a short box. It's you know, it's, <laughs> it just kind of has a lot of stuff that isn't popular, right? Um, which I just overcompensate with some speed, <laughs> of course. you know, and, and, and even out. What I probably won't get wrong yeah. is that it does have a T56. It does. It's got a real cool one coming. Yeah. yeah. It's gone on to my second one. Super. Now. Yeah. yeah explain super more of that later. And so, also, if I'm not mistaken, and I, this does tend to get a bit, uh, I'm not going to say creepy because for me, it's just doing my research. Yeah. Uh, but you said it earlier already. Uh, it was a daily driver for you, and you actually had a baby seat. I saw a photo of it yeah. with your rear facing baby seat yeah. and you'd even made mention of the fact that you had to actually relocate or do some trick work on the actual shifter I had to make the shifter to go around the baby seat i couldn't <laughs> get it into i don't know how many i people... couldn't get it into i couldn't get it into the like basically the bottom of the h pattern wouldn't happen right i could do the top but sixth right. gear i just left enough room to slide my hand out between the baby seat it's so uh, crazy uh, anyway. i i don't know how many other people in the world have ever done that specific mod. I'm, I mean, I don't see why not. Like, I think the, you know, I mean, how we got here was I own this, I own this truck. Like, I've had it for so long and it's worth nothing because it's the long box GMC, right? <laughs> and I kind of have a connection with it. And, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. When I, when I met my girlfriend and now wife, she nicknamed it originally. Like, it, it kind of mm-hmm. became this character. Like, I didn't, can I wasn't I that the, person. Can I ask the nickname? Yes, of course. It, 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 she she asked me when we really early on dating if my if my truck had a n- name and I said no, so on the spot <laughs> she named at the time it Uh-oh. Trucky. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So that's I'm not like, bad. all that's right. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So I rolled with that, but okay. then everybody else rolled with it, so it really stuck. And I'm like, well, truckies. I mean, everybody's. They're all girls. Like most cars are girls, and to me, cars aren't. Cars aren't effeminate to me. I don't find it that way. They never have been. And I'm, I'm like, the same way. If we're gonna do this, can it be a boy? And she's like, absolutely. It's a right. truck. Oh, so I mean, just to, for you know, to to add to that, we had a V70 wagon that oh. we named Ron Burgundy. Amazing. It was. I mean, it was Burgundy, but yeah. uh, Ron Burgundy. I, I'm not into naming cars female names either. Yeah, so yeah, I totally I mean, hear you on that. Do it, but I just and I'm not even into naming cars. Like yeah. I had a little. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a whole. I mean, I'm there with you. I it just it just <laughs> yeah. I I don't know why. I don't I don't know why. I just I just wasn't that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. She had nicknamed it, and um, the where I was going with that was is is. I guess the, the trouble that I had faced with this thing was I had had it for so long and it had become kind of a, it became more than just a truck <coughs> in my life. Um, it kind of became this character of sorts. And the challenge became how to make it fit. Mm-hmm. So we had done a bunch of stuff with it. Like when I first put the four, like basically when we, you know, we had first put the 427 and the six speed in it, that was to make it handle its long hauls. Like we would drive it to the East Coast and my wife and I had always wanted to drive to the West Coast and down the West Coast and back. So I decided to do that. It needed to be upgraded, the drivetrain. So that's when I put the first version of the LS in it and everything. And, and, and basically, when we had done that, um, the day it was finished was July 1st and of 2010. And they started it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They taught me how to drive it at 4 o'clock, the shop that had done it for me at that point. Because I'd never driven a stick at that point in my life. And at six o'clock, I took it home. At eight o'clock, we had finished packing it, and we took off for 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 BC that night. Oh my god! You know, I did I did the first like five hundred kilometer oil change in Thunder Bay the next day in the morning in a in a gravel parking lot. Wow! And we just kept going. But <coughs> anyways, I need a drink. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Actually, hang on. Yeah, I'm going to <coughs> right. All right, we're back. We're back. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, I guess the point of that story was is we had, you know, this vehicle had been in our lives and I'd been using it and we drove it across the country and I've driven it across the country both ways um, a few times, across the states, covered a large part of the states. I've, you know, I ended up taking it down to Maxton, North Carolina and going land speed racing with it. And, you know, as you're going forth in life and getting older, having babies, building companies, rising in your career and you know in my case getting fired a couple of times <laughs> you know just the craziness of life you know this this thing you've you know i own this 600 horsepower plus horsepower truck in a, the fourth largest city in north america and you know i'm staring down the barrel of you know having my first son and expanding a business and figuring out my own new career path just because you know things were changing and i was like how do i make this work you know, and I was a little bit changing my love affair with racing. Um, I was falling out of love with drag racing a little bit just for a few reasons. I had tried land speed racing and absolutely loved it, but it was so far away I didn't know how to make that work. Okay. And at the same time, going and getting into that meant, you know, I knew what I was going to do. Like I'd be like going, I'd be, I'd be soon hunting for 200 miles an hour. And that's a really different build than what can be driven on the street. Yeah, so absolutely. how do I do it? You know, yeah. and Again, you know, how to make it work, how to make it work, how to make this thing fit my life. And then what I found was, was I, you know, actually a friend of mine, Shannon, dared me to autocross school it. And this would have been, you know, around, I don't know, 2012, 
mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm a little, I'm a little foggy. Like the last few years have been a bit of a blur. I, I mean, so I, <laughs> let's just I go with 2012-ish. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and we did it with a local group called the SPDA, and they just turned uh, out to yeah. be a yeah, they're just yeah, a, great, a great, group, awesome yeah. group of guys yeah. Yeah. Uh, and girls, and uh, and they were a little bit unsure of this guy showing up with a truck. So I just said, you know, hey, like you know what, I'll pay and. I'll come do day one. And if you don't like it, I'll watch on day two, you know? Sure. And sure, there was lots of jokes about hay bales and all that kind of stuff. But by the time day <laughs> course, two yeah. rolled around, I was getting pretty good at it. And the tune had changed. And we had a really good weekend. So, so where were, where was the event? Was oh, is that, her, is that the Her... Um, oh, Hershey no, Center. No, no, not the Hershey Center. It's at the Powerade Center in Brampton. It's okay. there every year. It's, it's yeah, there. It's I know exactly. actually coming up. It's, uh, That's where I met Miles the first ah, time. Well, yeah. There you go. Um, anyway, great group of people. And I... Managed to take this half-ton truck with mostly stock. It's mostly stock at this point. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, like drum brakes on the back. No shit. Just factory brakes. It's lowered. It's like it's got the standard lowering in it, but you could drag a truck out of a field and for like three thousand bucks put the suspension I had in it, and it had this massive, massive engine in it, capable capable at the time of something like seven thousand or seventy-five hundred RPM. Like it was just screamer. And um, and this T56, as you mentioned, and we just banged it through the gears with a 24 to 1 manual steering and just like, like my <laughs> hands were my hands were basically a blur during that weekend. Right. Um, and then, you know, we did that and it was really fun. So I did some brake upgrades to make it a little safer. And I went to the DD, DDT school with... Um, awesome. With, uh, and that was just a couple months later with, again, with the SPDA. And again, that went really well. And it just, you know, everybody was, even I was surprised. It just worked well and I was having fun and it just kind of went from there. Um, and, uh, and that, that next, was at, their, at the old that DDT was the old track. DDT, old DDT. Yeah. Okay. Old DDT. So, so if we figured out what year they changed the old DDT to the new DDT, that would put us at a proper time and space, but I can't remember that now. It's around 20, probably that's 20, maybe 2013. Mm-hmm. I think so that, too. Maybe 2013. Yeah, I think so too. Is, yeah. Right. For those um, listening, that's at, out at Mosport or yeah. God um, forbid us all saying Canadian Tire Motorsport I know, Park. I know. But, I know. I still can't get there. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, really, the 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 Targa thing happened much the same way that autocrossing it did. My friend Jared just happened to post the this thing from Targa Newfoundland that a truck had never entered, and I just all I did was respond with a photo of the truck autocrossing. I just said, ah, "I could scratch that itch," and then they just hounded me to enter it. And at the time, we couldn't because I was sorry. When you say they, who Targa, the Targa folks, no kidding. On a weekly basis, was like you got to enter this thing, and it's like no I get these kidding. random emails and random messages from wow. from Darren, who's the guy that's the registrar out there, and and I really wanted to do it. Don't get me wrong, I wanted to do it, but it just I had a I had a uh, one year old, two year old, one year old. Was he one at the time? I he was he was just one and a half. He would have been about one and a half when all that was happening, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, we were building this new, my, as I mentioned, my wife, we have this, my wife has, owns a school, we own a school and, you know, we're, you know, we're renovating this 6,500 square foot mansion in Kensington Market and we're in the middle of gutting this place and this target thing pops up and the school's got to open and we've, you know, basically, you know, just life when it, was insane. When it rains, it pours. It rained, it poured, and yeah. it poured and um, I... Uh, I didn't do it, and I didn't do it, and I didn't do it because I couldn't. Like, just we were assuming so much risk at this point in my life. I just like, like racing just makes no sense. <laughs> Anyways, the deal was is that you know we had to open the doors in the school on, on January sixth of twenty fourteen, and that day came, and the doors opened, and 
our all of our families showed up, which was in the range of about 70, 75 plus kids. I don't remember the exact number. Um, up from our old location of around 40. So we basically doubled our school no going to that new location. So we had a whole bunch of new people. And that day came and went, and it just, the doors opened, everybody showed up, everybody left, everybody was happy. It just worked. And it just worked. Like, and, it, and believe good, me, it, that was not an easy road. Well, good for you guys. Day. Yeah. And that night, my wife was like, I think you have to do it. I think you should do this. And I'm like, I wasn't convinced. And I was just, you know, that night I went up and I put my son Wyatt to bed. And he was laying there. And I was just like, you have that weird moment as a dad where it's like, you kind of want to be that guy that, I don't I don't want to, like, I don't want to tell him the shoulda, coulda, woulda story. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the right be the way to be a parent. But at the same time, this seemed a little extreme, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. So, But I, what a great story but to But I kind of thought about it and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I like... This is the chance. Like, this is my chance. This is my opportunity to do this. And it was mm-hmm. going to be the first truck. Mm-hmm. I had confirmed it with them that I could say it was the first truck. And I had worked that out. At that point, I said, listen, if I'm going to do this, I want to be able to say that I'm the first truck. And I want you guys to be cool with that, you know? And, and they were. And they allowed me to say that. And that was just, the, that was the only condition on it. Like I, had to, like, I had to do everything else up. And then I was like, you know what? I got to figure out how to make this thing. So then it became like, then my other part of my brain kicked in. It's like, how am I going to do this? So then I kind of made it that pet brand, which became the Target truck. Mm-hmm. And then it just and went, I mean, and then it just went nuts. Like that's and a clearly kind of your, you know, your your background and um, your professional experience. Yeah, came through. I mean, to me, the campaign for and I say campaign not in the sense of you know an advertising or a marketing per- yeah. uh, um, approach, but more so from a racing perspective. Yeah. You know, campaigning a car like that uh, or a vehicle like that. Yeah. takes a lot of support. And yeah. I know that, I mean, you put up the Indiegogo. Yeah, I, I, did, I did a in. Kickstarter. I did a Kickstarter. Oh, Kickstarter? The Kickstarter The Kickstarter was a weird one. The Kickstarter actually had benefits that outreached the money I made. Um, to be quite honest, the Kickstarter right. was... Of the course. Kickstarter yeah. I made, I mean, the Kickstarter in the end, excuse me, made a little over $11,000. I was going to say, I thought it was yeah, 10K or something. Yeah, right? it was about yeah. 11000 Like I ended up getting about 10K out of the deal. But I worked, that's the hardest I've ever worked to make $10,000 in my life. Hmm. I, it's unbelievable how much work that is to do. Um, and I needed it. Like I needed it. That money showed up exactly when I ran out of money. Um, uh, basically the way it all timed out, like I had kind of planned out when I thought I would run out of money, how much money I needed to make with the Kickstarter. And if I landed any other clients or cl- clients, but any other sponsors or partners, how might that work to help me get me through? Mm-hmm. Basically what it was, was, was the giant gamble on all of it. Um, because if you run out of money going to do something like that, like it's over, like it's just everything stops. Everything stops. Like it's like it yeah. just stops. Yeah. And um, I mean, do it, dare I ask? Are you at liberty to say what to prep for Targa, Newfoundland, and enter the race and get home? To yeah, what would you say if you I can? Think my what rough the... estimate for the time I was done with vehicle prep, all my race entries, getting the truck out there, everything probably in the. And this isn't when I say this number. You can do it for much less. Like if people are listening to me on this, I want you to understand that you, I did it the hardest way possible. Okay. And that was partially by choice and partially by the vehicle I chose. Mm-hmm. But probably, and I know for exactly that by the time I was all said and done with vehicle prep, because I was starting with a weird vehicle, all my entry fees, like we're talking hotels, everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was in about 43000 yeah, not an ins- insignificant amount of money, yeah. but at the same time, like you said, I mean, a fairly unorthodox entry, yep. um, a first of its kind, yeah. 
And I mean, I, I would imagine there was a certain amount of prep that had to have been done yeah. just for that, that race. Oh yeah, there was. And even myself, like, um, you know, learning to drive, I had to learn to drive. So I took the OTA school, which was great. That's how I met Miles. Was that OTA? Sorry, o- OTA oh, is? Ontario Time Attack. Okay. They run it's a really attack. good two right. weekends. They run a, an amazing weekend school um, in at uh, DDT. Mm-hmm. And they go out and basically you send in your experience level and they find you drivers, other drivers to teach you based on your experience level. And they put you through track training and whatnot. It's a two-day thing. There's a little bit of classroom, a little bit of autocross, like performance driving and the mm-hmm. track stuff. Mm-hmm. And they are hard on you, like really hard on you. And I... My, That's great. My first trainer was Martin... Um, I can't remember think of Martin's last name, but it's it's Miles's partner on the race car on the Lotus. Okay. And then uh, something happened on day two where they switched up, and I got Miles, and um, and that is basically how I met Miles. But that was a again I I'm, I'm fortunate that I had some people who knew me from the SPDA crowd that kind of gave the OTA gang the heads up that I was okay to go because there was there were skeptics in the crowd obviously <laughs> I would imagine um, so and but the skeptics went away because that was the weekend that was the weekend where I chased down a, 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 a 458 Ferrari twice in the and, truck in the truck and that was in the truck we're talking <laughs> I've got like a set of Benz I've got a set of Benz Recaro seats and three-point harnesses in it at this point uh-huh and uh, I, w- I was past the drum break point but. but also I mean that whoever that guy or gal was in that car at the time it's not like that was just some random Joe out doing a track day. This was somebody who was there doing the same OTA as me. course. Same as me. They were doing this course the same as me. Right. You know, right. And, and again, we're at different places in life. Like, I don't sure. know ultimately what their full experience was. But, but, um, but in, still, in most cases, probably not a slouch. No, you're not expecting a half ton, mostly stock GMC truck to chase you down. In that the must bed, have been in the crazy I'm not, to I'm see. Not, I'm, not, I'm not freight training them in the straightaways here. I'm catching them on the corners. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that was when DDT was new. Like we're we're talking like they the curbing wasn't in, so there was big holes in the in the corners. Right? Oh so, no! Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> you were paying for your mistakes that weekend. Little if you wild wanted, in the area, um, but uh, but to see that truck pulling on you into corners. I in had, your rear view, and you're looking and, and signaling them to pass. You're going yeah. in. Well, they don't always signal the password away, and that's kind of a little bit of a problem. That's got me into some trouble too, because you, mm. I, you. Well, there's a lot of ego at stake. There is, there is, there is, and I have it happen all the time. I mean, like, uh, and I mean, I get passed a lot. Don't worry, I get passed a lot mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. track. But I find that because people don't think they should be passed by said truck, they don't want to move over. So I've had, you know, I've had more than my fair share of those inner plastic inner liners and Subarus get thrown at me because they overcook it yeah. and then they miss a corner and then a, they hit a pylon and the pylon tears the inner fender well out. So not only have I got a pylon airborne at me, I've got some miscellaneous plastic part off a Subaru <laughs> flying at me. Um, I love that it's a Subaru. It's a Subaru. Yeah. It's a Subaru. Sorry, I'm not doing... It was a Subaru. It was an STI. As they're um, oversteering or sorry, yeah. understeering into a corner. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I've, you know, again... I've, it happens both ways. Like I, I try to, I mean, cause I'm not the fastest thing cause it's so much weight and mm-hmm. it's such a, it's, it has some, it clearly has, it clearly has some geometry issues cause it's a farm truck that I really am operating with stock geometry up <laughs> yes. until now. Um, but, um, it did, it did for some reason do pretty good. So anyways, all of that led to us going into the Targa. Okay. Uh, so. essentially. That's so we've arrived at uh, Targa. And yeah. so I think what's important for everyone listening to know is this isn't, you know, this isn't um, 
a sanctioned race at a racetrack that is known for cars doing laps at high speed with preparation for both corners, for impact, for emergencies, for all of these things. No. We're not talking about that type of facility no. that you're going into race. Targa, Newfoundland, for maybe some of the American listeners too, um, is in a very different place and under very different conditions and constraints than a typical, well, sorry, than any racetrack, period. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are some um, very important both rules, stipulations, and restrictions when it comes to a race like Targa Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. So before you go into kind of what it took and what happened um, with the truck during the race in 2014, yeah. maybe if you can just help us to understand um, the basics of what Targa Newfoundland is, um, how that race is, um, how it's composed. Yeah. And, um, and what it takes to get a car into that or okay. a car or vehicle into that. I'll top line this because mm-hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a long. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, but basically, the, the simplest way to explain the Targa Newfoundland is it's a rally. Yes. You have stages and you have transits. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is that Targas are um, tarmac rallies. So that's great. Now, there's only, there's only, there's only three, 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 three um, Tasmania, Tasmania, Australia, and Newfoundland. Right. Well, my goodness, I'm happy. Yeah. There's only yeah, three yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, I'm I believe so too. Yeah. A, my apologies, Targa people out there, if you're listening. I'm having a little. Bit of a, <laughs> it's been a long day. It's a special breed. Um, the particular one in in Newfoundland is about. It's around. Tw- it ranges between I think 24 and 2500 kilometers. So you're around 14, 1500 miles. Yeah. Um, of that, 500k is 500 kilometers is stages, and the rest is transits. So. You're looking at multiple stages per day. And I think it's between 10 and 14 stages a day. Sometimes you run a stage twice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you run it backwards. Right, yeah, run it backwards. It's, yeah. it's all different stuff, right? Yeah. The, 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 the kicker on it, though, is it is public roads. Mm-hmm. So they shut down the course um, like an hour before. We blast through, and then they open it back up, and it resumes regular life. Mm-hmm. The, and it's everything. It's, it's coastal roads. It's two-lane blacktops. It's somewhat highways. Or it could be through a town. I was going to say, there's a lot of residential, too. A lot of residential. And and, and in my particular case, like when you're doing, there's a bunch of different classes. There are basically the non-target classes, which are Grand Touring and the other one I can't think of right now. Um, And then there are the target classes, which is target classic, target modern, target modern um, with computer and without, I believe. Hmm. And then there's the full open target class. So those are the crazy cars. All the cars have different, all the cars classes have different um, times they have to hit. Okay. Um, so it operates basically like a rally. Yeah, um, but you can't be you can't be too fast, but you can't be too slow. You well, have to actually, an optimal... in in the Targa classes, you can be too fast, but there's no point. All you're doing is assuming danger. I see. Okay. So you just all, the best you can do is zero out. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, to put it in simple terms, mm-hmm. um, the kicker on the Targa in particular is is the ro- are the roads. Um, like if you go down into the states. And for those of you in America, and you go do uh, Big Ben, Silver State Classic, um, you know, Sand Hills, that kind of stuff, or, um, you know, even the even Pikes Peak. Now, Pikes Peak has some interesting undulations and weirdness in the pavement. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that is a little unique to the Targa Newfoundland is because it's the seasons are crazy there. Um, you're talking winter, fall, spring. Everything is heaving heaving, asphalt and heaving asphalt and potholes. Yeah, and it's a special feeling to hit a asphalt heave at 100 plus miles an hour. <laughs> um, and I've done, I, yeah, like I've I've hit I've hit 
like like and they, it, like we're talking bridges lift right so mm-hmm. in one particular case we came we did the course forwards and we were flying like miles were on and we're on point it was not a typically bendy course so it was basically we we have a speed limit it's like 120-ish miles an hour, something like that. Which is, I mean, not moderate. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, like when I get into fifth gear at 120, it's pretty Sunday driving, so it's not bad. Um, but, you know, we did it the first way and no problem. Zoomed out there and came back. And it's like on the way back, it's like, you know, we are going to hammer on this. Like we're just going to go. So we're bombing down this, this one leg. And all I hear is Miles go, oh. And I didn't know what he saw. Like he didn't say anything. He just he gave me the because we were on a thing, right? And this, this is your weird. co-driver. This is my my co-driver, Miles. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't see it. And then I realized what he said. And I saw. I finally like analyzed. And the bridge had heaved. So when we came over it from the other way, it was a little three-inch jump. But going back, it was a three-inch lip. And we're like I've got it maxed. Like we're talking. I'm at the edge of like my. I'm at the edge of 120. Like I'm on it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm at this point, the, the speedometer's gone, and that thing's 100 miles an hour. Right. So I'm following the tack for speed at this point, <laughs> and all I'm like, I'm like I can't hit the brakes because it'll di- it'll nosedive, and I'll just plow into this uh, thing yeah, and destroy yeah. everything. Yeah, so destroy all everything. I could do yeah. was oil pan gone. Lift and I lifted and scrubbed and hit the brakes and hit the gas to lift the front end back up and just hit it. <clears throat> Without, like, that's all you're going right. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold the steering wheel with both hands. Very Likely tightly. the safest choice, too. That was the choice. That was the choice yeah. I had delivered to me at that speed. And I mean, I can't, <laughs> I mean, I, I, the, 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 the feet per second you're covering there is astronomical. Right. We, we, we made a cloud of, we did it. The plume of sparks was so big that the car that was behind us and their two minutes spread apart saw it. Saw the flash. No way. And he lifted not to hit it. We, <laughs> to the truck's credit, we bent, we bent over the front. We bent the, we, we bent the front of the A-frames over. We bent the front cross member in the truck. Like there's, it's, and if, you, if anybody knows what this cross member is like, it's massive. And it, it was bent. Super solid on a truck. Super solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super solid. Not, yeah. hit, not bent to hit this. Anyways, I mean, we put it up on jack stands and everything felt good. And it still drove good. So... All you can do is carry on, but yeah, we 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 had stuff like that. But basically, the 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 easiest way to maybe explain it, the difference between track days and autocrossing and doing the Target Newfoundland is is the race course is potholes and frost heaves in some places. Take your pylons and concrete barriers and replace them with churches in the middle of the roads. <laughs> oh man, cliffs. Yeah, rock cuts, houses. And oceans. That's what you hit. Pretty that's high your, consequence. That's your options. Maybe yeah, a fence if right. you're lucky. Right. Um, well, culverts, saw, culverts, are a, culverts have taken people out. I don't um, know if it was maybe two years before you guys. Yeah. Maybe maybe more before that. I can't remember. Jim Kenzie. Yeah. Oh, Jim Kenzie. Yeah, he told me that story. And I mean, I saw the video, <laughs> the video footage of that. And like, you know, overcooking into a corner and just like plows right into and under basically a home on stilts. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was that. And Jim Kenzie, he, he endowed a, a mini into the trees. Like so far, they didn't even know he'd gone off the road. Oh my gosh. You know, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, the one thing that coming out of the target that I never, I mean, on day two, it was day two, and I remember, because you, you're, it's so crazy, you know, you, dra- you race all day, you know, you compete all day, and it's, mm-hmm. it's like a 12-hour day, and then at night, you know, you work on the car, and there are people coming around to talk, and you have to eat, and kind of like make sure you're okay as a human, 
like but then hydrate properly yeah, for the next you day. Know, and you work on the car all night. And do, they, next, do they do a? Do they do like a breathalyzer in the morning? Yeah, I do a breathalyzer in the morning. That's, That's not good. a real big deal for me. Apparently, it, you know, it needed to happen for some more of the characters that do it. But, of course, yeah. Um, and uh, but that next day on day two, I remember start, going up the starting line, and it been it had been crazy. Like it was crazy getting that truck to the starting line. Nobody thought we'd get it at the starting line because it was three days late, and when the truck got there, it still wasn't ready. Like I had to build it the night before, and we had to put the rally computer in it the day before we started. Just. It's the long story, but it, you know, just the way life worked out. But we made it. And um, on day two, the reality of the craziness we had gone through to get there kind of hit in a weird way. Because you have this two minutes that you wait at the starting line. You pull up to the starting line, you got your helmet on, your gloves are on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Miles is sitting there looking at his notes, thinking, just finding his, you know, finding his place. Yeah. And I just got to sit there. You know, and the thing's running, like, and the gauges are fine, but it's it's forever. Like, two minutes is forever. And then your mind wanders, and it's like, you start thinking about all the stuff you did the night before. And you, you're, like, you're, you wig out a little bit, because it's like, you know, you're, did I tighten the wheel nuts? Like, did all the luggage, just weird stuff. You, you second guess yourself like, at the very... I did them on three wheels. Yeah. That you, fourth wheel, did you, I really crank them... <laughs> You second guess yourself at the worst point in your day to second guess yourself. Mm. You're sitting on the starting line and you're gonna go. So I quickly like realized that my brain was playing tricks on sure. me, and it's like in the no. two minute slow mo. Yeah, and I just like you know what? I was a little over on sensory overload. I knew that the times we had to hit that day because the times get more progressive as you go through the week. So your eighty percent on one day is you're, you have to grow. You have to get faster, or else you're not gonna hit your times. So I know it was day two. I knew the times were accessible. So I just, we just did it. And that basically, that was like this lesson in life for me there of, you know, there's the danger and fear separation basically is don't let your brain get to you too much. And then that mm -hmm. night on, I changed the way I worked on the truck and I never had a problem with it again. Like I just changed the way that I, I, I systematically changed the way I did stuff that night. So I knew it was done and I knew I was okay and I wouldn't think about it in bed and I got a great night's sleep and we Got up the next morning and just hit it. That's so interesting yeah. that you know and that like, was the biggest thing. That was the like that day I will remember sitting on that starting line. I don't remember the stage, but I remember sitting there, like just questioning all the stuff I had. And done. so, how many days? How many days start? Oh, to finish? it's uh, start to day, start to finish. Like depending on how much of you do, but it's five days of competition, one wow. day of prologue. Wow. Um, and uh, you know the the trick of it is is not being the guy that crashes on prologue. Of course, girl, yeah. which happens almost every year. I'm Somebody sure writes off a car before yeah. the before it even begins. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's wonder it's a wonderful event. It's so taxing. What did it must have been pretty jarring to some of your competitors and the people that were out there. Like I know that you know in general Targa wanted they, they wanted you there. They're yeah. encouraging you to be there. Yeah. But, um, I mean, there are, you know, you look at the vets, you look at the 911s that are there, yeah. you look at the, some of the Subarus that are just, that's their native territory, yeah. that's their home. Yeah. And all of a sudden they see this long bed GMC pickup roll up with an LS, you know. Well, which they don't know is an LS. <laughs> which they don't know is an LS. Which is amazing. Um, you know? And so what was the general reaction from um, those around you? I mean, there's, it's, you know, it's always the same. It's always the same. No matter what I do with it, day one, nobody comes too close. They don't. They don't want to catch anything from well, you. Well, they just they, they just <laughs> automatically assume that I'm like off, you know, in whatever way. And uh, it, a, it's almost in the, the same. Good way. It's, it's changing. Like, it's changing now. Like it is changing now because mm -hmm. you know it's like anything. People have heard. Like people have heard 
stories. Usually they've heard some sort of story. And then it's like they see it and they connect the two. Um, back then, that wasn't the way it was. Um, so, yeah, like a lot of the veterans were steering clear of me, um, you know, and that's fine. I had stuff to do. Of course, uh, yeah. I You're busy just, getting yeah, ready for a race. It doesn't really matter because it's really like this sort of thing is like you're trying to beat yourself be like you're, you're going to be the person to push yourself out of that that's that's basically what it is you're trying to keep right. yourself in check mm-hmm. and um but you know throughout the week you know you start running and and uh and people see that you're committed and you know we weren't breaking we didn't break anything oh we we had some problems with stuff rattling mm-hmm. apart but i did a lot of maintenance and people were like people caught on people thought we were fixing it a lot in the beginning it's like oh you're fixing this like oh, i'm not fixing anything i'm just making sure it's not going to break and then so they figured out, a lot of people just figured out that we were being, you know, because they said, A, they didn't think a truck could run. A lot of, there's a lot of jokes of, hey, nice truck, where's your race car? And you know, that's, you know. <laughs> where's your trailer? Yeah, where's your you car? Know, where's the trailer? Yeah. The trailer? You, you pull stuff with that thing? You yeah. Know, it's pretty nice for a, pretty nice for a trailer vehicle. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, uh, you know, there's always naysayers and that's fine. Um, and, uh, but in the end, you know, people kind of came around to it and, and some of the more, uh, um, you end up talking to people and, and especially too, when you actually see that thing move, it, you don't, you don't want to believe it's really hard to believe your eyes when you see it move. Yeah. The expectation of, you know, for me, yeah. what I saw on paper from what I've seen in a lot of the video, it's certainly not the vehicle you would expect to do what it does. No, but I think everybody forgets that you know, NASCAR in the late sixties was gutting those trucks and putting them under the cars. Right. Right. And like, you know, that now, not the segue, but that now has turned out to be a saving grace because there isn't much on a Grand National car that I can't get and bolt onto this thing. Right. Like, like seriously, a full-on CNR NASCAR grade rad is more direct fit than a direct fit rad. No kidding. Yeah. Like everything is based on the size of that truck. Yeah. And that's really changed. Like that's, that's an eye opener right now. Like getting into, like I've gone to full, like, like NASCAR approved parts. Of this I was going to say, I mean, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going into that world, if the and, shoe fits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a lot of it is like, I just, you know, I, I basically, you know, I have these modular spindles that are, are uh, like a, we're talking Winston cup level stuff. Wow. And, um, and the brakes aren't like my brakes aren't that level. I can't afford that level. But you got some big Willwood brakes yeah, on there, like right? Yeah, like the 1306, you know, inch and a quarter wide, you know, yeah. six piston, like, you know, they're, they're making really all that, you know, and, and maybe there's a little segue here, but all that nonsense about six, six piston brakes and everybody listening out there, none of that crap matters. What you need to understand is how big are your rotors? How thick are your rotors? What material are the rotors made of? And how big are the pistons inside of your of the calipers? Piston right. size is what it's like six tiny pistons yeah, versus six tiny three pistons, huge ones. You know, a lot of people will go and put brakes on their car. They're actually smaller than what they have because they're going from four to six or something like that. But anyway, right. I have a, I have a, you know, pressure wise, I have a, you know, I've got about 4,000 pounds of braking force now, um, which is more than the 1900 I autocrossed with when I first started. Mm-hmm. Um, could there be more? Yeah, but I get into pod- pedal modulation problems and just with the, the pedal setup I'm working with, that should be loads. It's more than I've ever had and I've been fine with my braking pressure. So this should be good for now. Is the thinking, um, but anyways, yes. The uh, the the thing that everybody forgets is these things were gutted for NASCARs, and you know, so there's no reason why it shouldn't work. It's right. the wrong shape, 
And the weight's not particularly in the right spots, but I'm figuring that out. Well, and I and, noticed just most recently, too, that you had it on, like, the four-corner um, scales. And you were looking at a pretty decent, what was it? It's like a 56-42, or sorry, but yeah, 56-44 distribution or something um, along those yeah, lines? Yeah, like, it's, it's, all, it's all over the place right now because I don't have it finished. But, I mean, I've in various, like, I'm hoping to hit 52-48. Uh, I right. wanted to do, right. I really wanted to hit 50-50, but I can't, I don't think I can hit 50-50 without going to carbon front body panels. And Crazy. I, wow. That's, that's accessible. Like it's, it's there. All I have to do is, the guys already contacted me. Like it's, it's, I just have to no, call kidding. them and send them the credit card right. number and the parts show up and it's done. Oh, However, sorry. Actually, you know what, Mark? Before, sorry. Before we go, there was one thing that I think just to like seal off Target Newfoundland. Oh, sorry. There's an interesting, like the finish of the race. Yeah. And your position in the race yeah. was equally as impressive, I think, to everyone that should, that should understand this, is that it's not like you broke. It's not like you wrecked. Yeah. You finished. Yeah, we finished. And, and we, you finished in, in an impressive position yeah, as well. Yeah, we finished in second place. I mean... Yeah, no. I mean, when you look at what we accomplished there, we, like, we just went to finish. All we wanted to do was finish. And by um, day three, day, th- I mean, day three, we were in third. And we were looking at the times. We were looking at the times on it. And we didn't have to make up much time, and we were getting much faster. And I'm like, all I gotta do is catch the car in front. And of who us. are you? Behind? You were behind a vet. We were on a Porsche. Okay, before the um, Porsche. Behind a Porsche. Yeah. yeah. And um, um, and um, I said, all I gotta do is catch the Porsche. So we just kept catching the Porsche, and that put us in the second place. And we couldn't do first. Like first was impossible. The guy that won first is this guy named Jack. Uh, oh, he's a veteran, and he runs. He runs like Carrera Panamera. Like he's like, okay. this is the guy. Like he rolled that car and continued. Like, okay, <laughs> crazy. In a different year, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, he's he's a super good guy, and we had no hope of catching him. Like the only way to catch him was for him to make a mistake. We had we weren't smart enough at Targa to do better. Like we did the best we could, mm-hmm. and with the penalties that we accrued, we couldn't beat. And, what, him. and sorry, what do you get penalties for? If you're you gain penalties for if you miss your time. Okay. If you jump the start line, if you're late, if they deem you late showing up for a stage, um, which I don't think we did, but we might have. And we had we had one big penalty that happened that I had to like I had to go I had to uh, dispute one penalty, and I think I got it rescinded because I was like, no, we were there, and like something. I think there was that, but anyways, we we couldn't. We, we couldn't catch Jack. That was impossible. The best okay. we could possibly do was second place. Uh-huh. The other thing that was good for us is we played it. And plating is what happens when you they, they set a target time. And if you hit the target time, you have to hit the target time on every stage to get the plate. And we played it in our first year. And there were people there that year that had been running it since the target had started. And they just played it like in their 13th year. Wow. So, you know, we were happy with that result, you know. And, yeah. I mean, we were just happy to finish. And I was happy that the thing was running. Of course, yeah. The yeah. car didn't break. You didn't jam it into a tree or into a, a cottage somewhere. I didn't have to <laughs> swim out of it. Yeah. You know, there's lots and, of and bonuses so, here. So it was, an, it, was a, it was a 911, like an RS that was in front of you? It was a you. 911. It was a Targa. It was an older Targa model. Okay. Um, and what was behind you? A uh, vet. It was a vet. Okay, yeah, sorry. So I got basically those, it was I Mustang, those. Mustang, uh, and um, <coughs> I, was, I was in a class with a Mustang, a Porsche. What was your class again? Uh, Targa Classic. You're in Targa Classic. Yeah, Targa Classic. Cool. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so yeah, it was, uh, I mean, all around, it was an amazing experience. Will so. you, um, so that was 2014. Yeah. You haven't run it since? No, no. I, to go back and do it, I need to make some changes cause I can't, 
I had I couldn't go as fast as I could because of some suspension issues. Right. Do you think you'll go back and run Targa? Oh yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to. I just have to. I just I want to go back and be able to go because now with like the things I'm doing to the truck right now. You know, I'm I'm in the open class. Like I'm in the open. No matter where I go in the world, it's own okay. class vehicle. Okay, so, so you're not like, hitting that classic stage I, again. I'm not in a classic the, stage. Yeah. The classic okay. stage requires me to keep certain things that mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. have been deemed unsafe for how far, for the kind of speed and situations I get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, for me, for me to make that vehicle do what I want it to do, I need to have a blank slate. And so I just decided. Yeah, open class is where care. to go. I don't yeah. care how I place. Like I don't do this. Like, I don't do this to win the coffee mug at the end of Saturday afternoon. Like, I don't really care about that stuff. I go for the experience, and I love the people, and more importantly, I like I just like the noise and that. Visceral, <laughs> like, believe me, it's a visceral experience. Yeah. Um, and that's what I need out of it. So, um, and then for me, there's a bit of a curiosity in building this thing to do these things right now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be like a, and a lot of the classes that honestly that I'm aiming for, like the open classes, the open classes, like it's, it's truly open for the most part outside of safety stuff, which I have all that anyway. And, uh, um, after that, you know, any of the classes where I would run it, there is no class for that thing anyway. So I always get put somewhere strange against vehicles because there's no specification for a long box GMC <laughs> yeah. truck, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm ne- it's, it'll never be competitive. And I knew that going in and I know that now. And, and, and if I want, if for some reason I need to become competitive, then I'll build something competitive. And it will be an absolute monster. But this is going to be a curiosity point build for me and something I can just go do with it because I've had it for so long. Like there's just, it's worth nothing. So I might as well do this with it basically. Well, and it's fun. And, and what I've, what I've seen from your, um, you know, your Facebook, so target trucks, Facebook page, and, um, both from the Instagram page, yep. it's not like you're sitting and just letting this truck age beautifully on its own in its state when you came out of Targa Newfoundland. No. You have continually been building this truck. I mean, it's relentless. All the photos that I see have constantly... Yeah, it's been... Like, it's been in a planning. Like, I... What I'm doing now to it... I have okay, so that concludes part one of the Targa truck episode with Mark Bovey. In part two, we get really deep into what the plans are for the truck. Uh, There's lots to talk about there, uh, and we even go backwards in time a bit and talk a bit about what went into the truck initially. So stay tuned for part two of the Target Truck episode with Mark Bovey. Thanks for listening.